did you just call American football soccer? No, 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 no. no. I like, am coming to kick your ass now. What? Oh, jeez. This is why we don't drink wine as we record a podcast. All right, so hello, pod people. It's great to know that you're listening. Welcome back to the Big Bad Nonsense Podcast. I am Sock, and sitting with me is the man responsible for the most recent Bitcoin crash, Biscuit. I won't be named Spaghetti. <laughs> what? <laughs> spaghetti. Spaghetti, okay. <laughs> How you doing, Biscuit? Nah, Biscuit's fine. Hello, people. It's been a minute. A minute? Oh, it's been so much longer. Yeah. Um, between, well, um, having one person in America and the other in Slovakia, that's a bitch in enough to coordinate. And then um, I almost died for a couple of weeks. Then we had Thanksgiving, blah, blah, blah. Your house uh, was hit by a meteor? Yes. And there was the meteor. But um, hopefully that's been enough time for you to forget about our last topic. So um, happy to be back and let's get it going. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing that uh, has occurred to me in coordinating all of this is that I always have to send messages in American time. Yeah, um, we don't really accept that there are people other than us on this earth. So Pretty much. If, like, if yeah, just to give people that, an idea... Really Go ahead. Just to give people an idea of what's been happening, like, I would send a message to Biscuit, and I would say, okay, so, you know, 2 p.m., and then he would write back, okay, good. And then I say, okay, I'll see you at 8 p.m. Because then I'm thinking my time. And then we get all confused. And now he thinks he has to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to talk to me. It, it's, uh, well, I think we all, the rest of the world has to cater to Americans. I think that's pretty clear. We've, we've tried to tell you time and time again. And I'm pretty easily confused. We made it, though. We made it. We're here. Yes, sir, and I can only shudder thinking about what you got for me today. Oh, boy. Well, why don't we start off today with a little bit of mailbag, because I've actually gotten some messages. We actually have enough fans that we're starting to get messages about our shows. (laughs) And what a show it was to finally get that. All right, let's do it. Well, first of all, uh, Jamie and Justin from California... Uh, write to us saying that, uh, well, Jamie was first uh, very disappointed that uh, Justin didn't tell us, tell her about uh, our podcast sooner, and she's glad she found out about it, and she would also like to wonder why uh, we are not on Google Play. Uh, actually, a few people have asked this, and uh, there's a very simple explanation for it. Uh, Google Play sucks. That. That is a very simple explanation. <laughs> I suppose I sh- maybe going into a bit more depth here. Uh, I am the technical side of the podcast uh, because uh, anytime Biscuit touches a computer, it explodes into flames. So everything technical is done by me. I upload mm-hmm. the episodes. And of course, I'm doing it from Slovakia. And Google Play currently does not accept any podcast submissions outside of uh, the United States. So, um, back to that we're number one thing that we alluded to. <laughs> if you can't tell, we're amateurs. We are amateurs. It's clear. Oh, I just fucking move over here and get with the program. <laughs> and I, I, I would offer to do it myself on this end, but um, 
what Sock alluded to is correct. There was a time years ago that I was an administrator on a message board that I was trying to make a simple change to one person's profile, and I believe I took the entire message board offline for a couple hours. And, and permanently I mean, banned several people, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, which... <laughs> That that's hard to do if you're doing it on purpose when it's got nothing to do with what you're trying to accomplish. That's a hint that maybe this shit is not for you. Mm, definitely. Okay, so our second mailbag uh, comes from Lucy out of London, and uh, she wanted to say that uh, listening to the last episode uh, turned her into a vegan. <laughs> Uh, I'm not surprised. It almost turned me towards a life of Christ. I, <laughs> I, I mean, after that episode, I just looked up at the ceiling and was like, I'm sorry. Mm. She I, did say I, that she still listens to us, though, despite that. Well, you are a trooper. We do appreciate it. Yeah, Lucy, you're not alone. I think I've become a vegan after like researching that last episode. So I don't even listen to myself half the time, so good for you. Mm, definitely. Okay, so that's about all I've got for the mailbag. Uh, the one funny thing I thought about this is that um, I never released the email to our podcast, yet these people still somehow found it. That's unsettling, but well, also good. Yeah, it is good. Uh, let, me, let me broadcast the email right now. If anyone wants to send us some mail, uh, you can either do it through our Twitter at Big Bad Nonsense, or you can email us BigBadNonsense at gmail.com. Uh, I'm not particularly unnerved because the email is listed as the podcast email on the various services that we are on, such as uh, right. Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, Apple Podcasts. And as far as the Twitter, um, guys, please pimp the hell out of us i mean you want me to put up a nipple picture or whatever that'll incentivize you i'll do that for you but please get the word out there we'll be doing this regardless but the more people that can hear these train wrecks the better all right so with that let's close up the mailbag and let's move right into it biscuit Today, I've got a little bit of uh, true crime for you. That is one of my favorite guilty pleasures, so well, by all means. There we go, right? Uh, you and I are both big fans of the True Crime Garage podcast. Yes. Yes, not to steal any of their thunder. We're not actually going to be talking about any sort of murder or people disappearing today, so feel free to laugh at anything that comes up. But since we did mention the garage, I would like to uh, let the captain know shitter's full. <laughs> okay. Uh, they can't all be winners. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So Maybe we can add some laughs to that joke. <laughs> Let's just start recording a laugh track. Um, <laughs> yeah, be like fucking Jimmy Tingle in the background. I'll just rip it from the Big Bang Theory or something. Okay, Ooh. Biscuit, you have a choice to make. Which crime are we going to discuss first? You have the choice of either armed robbery or arson. Arson has more comedic potential, so I think I'm going to go arson. You're going to go with arson. Okay, so unlike the armed robbery segment of this podcast, the arson is actually more of a multiple 
criminals in this case. First, let me start off with this. How much do you know about international Christmas traditions? Um, lots. <laughs> as long as there are no follow-up questions, all of it. Well, you know me. I always follow up with a question. Uh, for example... Shit. <laughs> You know, we've done several podcasts now. You should know that I always follow up with questions. Yeah, I'm not a quick learner. But oh, okay, simple okay. Let's go to Sweden here, and we're going to discuss a Swedish Christmas tradition of the Yule goat. That's my favorite goat. Your favorite goat. Uh, ring any bells to you? Uh, something, something in a racist Swedish accent, something. <laughs> Can you do a Swedish accent? You've done French and uh, German. Uh, stars, it's Nergen That was epic. Okay, so. Our women are attractive. <laughs> the tradition of the Swedish Yule Goat uh, basically involves, uh, well, there's two traditions that I read about. One of them is that uh, they'll take, like, uh, piles of straw, and they kind of weave them together to make uh, a small goat, uh, and they'll use that as an ornament on their Christmas tree. Do they know it's not a real goat? Yes, I'm sure they're well. Well, they they made it themselves from straw, so I I, I would hope that the Swedish population is aware it's not a real goat. Well, I mean, if you've ever listened to Don Cherry, he would probably still be questioning it. But um, proceed. Well, who cares what Don Cherry thinks? Here's here's how it works. They, they either use the straw to make a Christmas ornament, like in the shape of a goat, they sort of bind all the straw together, fold it over, and tie it up with a ribbon. Or there's this older tradition I read about, too, where they sort of make uh, a goat out of, like, straw and logs, and they do this prank where you have to try and hide the goat in your neighbor's house uh, without <laughs> them knowing. Um, isn't there, like, potential for breaking laws there? I, I guess so. I don't think that one's actually a tradition they do much anymore. Uh, okay. This was probably back in a time when, like, you know, people were a bit more open and a bit more village lifestyle. But that was the prank. Hide the goat in your neighbor's house without them knowing. I kind of want to do that now. But... Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. And then if you get the goat then you have to do the same sort of thing. You have to take it, and then you have to try and hide it in some other neighbor's house without them knowing. So it's like the ice bucket challenge? Like somebody does it to you, and you got to pass it along? Yeah, but probably far more fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know exactly who I do it to. I'm looking across right now, and I just love to see them open their door and, like, step back and be like, I got you, you fucker! <laughs> I think that is definitely a tradition that uh, should be adopted worldwide, hiding a goat in your neighbor's house. 365 days a year. Yeah, You know what? And a real goat. Never mind a straw and a real goat. <laughs> uh, we're creating something today. I like oh, it. Oh, boy. Yes. People, get on Twitter. Encourage this. Okay. This, this is sort of the basis of what we're going to be talking about. It's not the main crux. Um, back in 1966... Uh, there was a man in the town of Jävle, Sweden. Uh, I, now I, I know my Swedish is probably terrible, but I think that's how you pronounce the name of the town. Jävle. It's not as good as mine, but that's okay. Okay, I could try and sound like the Swedish... The town of Jävle. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Ruggie so, stars. Yes, everyone, every one of our listeners in Sweden right now is unsubscribing to this podcast. <laughs> like, we don't do that at all! <laughs> Fuck 
you. All one of them. Actually, I think we do have one listener from Sweden. Well, sorry, buddy. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Okay, now that you're significantly angered, uh, go ahead and unsubscribe while we tell the rest of the people who stay on as listeners about the town of Yevle. And back in 1966, a very intelligent man decided, hey, let's take the whole idea of this straw goat decoration and make it bigger. I mean, you, you've seen that recent... Uh giant cow online i'm sure so i mean you want to take livestock and make it bigger because giant cow online you have not seen the giant cow no Um, is is this something that i should be aware of if you search knickers you'll probably pull it up Mm -hmm. and i mean that's kind of the beginning end of it it's just a cow that's fucking huge Mm. interesting all right, fits in right with our recipe for cow udders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I wish I had more to give in an audio format, but it's 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 a big fucking cow stands there as a big fucking cow. All right, well, this was a big fucking goat. big fucking goat is what we're going for now. All right, all right. So he says, let's take this goat, this idea the the straw Christmas ornament goat, and he said, let's make it bigger. So he gets some people together in the town of Yevle, Sweden, and uh, they build this big straw goat in the center of town as a Christmas decoration. Is this like how Burning Man got started? Well, I, it's good that you mentioned that, right? Because, like, Burning Man, the whole principle is at the end, you like, you set fire to a big guy, right? And you're on a whole bunch of hallucinogens, but yeah, also that. Okay, well, this is kind of like that, minus the hallucinogens and minus the legality of it. All right, fine. <laughs> so they erected this large goat. Now, the tr- the tradition, as it's been since the first time they did it, is that uh, they put up the goat on the first day of Advent. And that's why I'm glad that we brought it up in this podcast and that we're f- recording this podcast today. Uh, like right now, we're recording it at the end of November. By the time it comes out, it should be the first day of Advent, which is December 2nd. So the newest version of the goat will be going up. Uh, but this is back in 1966 that we're talking about. So they put up this giant goat, and uh, in that year, uh, when they put it up, like not long after they put it up, it uh, was set on fire and uh, and burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, this should have been an omen to them, because they've done this every year since 1966, and it has been repeatedly a target for arson. Somebody's trying to send a hint, yeah. Somebody's trying to send a hint, but here's where things start getting funny. So I fucking hate goats! <laughs> okay, 1966, so that would be uh, as of this year, so as of December 2nd, with the next advent that's coming, uh, this will be 52 years that the goat has been put up in Yevle, Sweden. Uh, it has only survived 13 times. So, for something that's happening so frequently, did they ever consider the idea of having somebody watch it? I mean, they have cops, right? They do have cops in Sweden. They have a lot of people in Sweden who are very invested in keeping this goat unburned. And uh, that's Part of why this story becomes incredibly funny, because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, 
picture the situation, all right? So they put up the goat the very first year. Uh, it was destroyed like on New Year's Eve. It was set on fire. They arrested the person who did it. They charged him with vandalism. Okay. The n next two years, the goat survived. Uh, then after that, uh, people became a bit more determined and they started to actively try to burn this goat down and the determination started to pay off. Now, on top of this, okay, you've, this goat is expensive. Like, it's a very, very large goat. Uh, it's a wooden frame with lots of straw and it takes quite a bit of effort to build. So the people who build it are very upset when it burns down. I would imagine so um back when i was a little piece of shit and you know like middle school and trick-or-treating was still a thing and you know we'd go out and vandalize jack-o-lanterns and be assholes like that mm -hmm. my rule of thumb was always if it looked like they bought it from a store go ahead and smash that thing if you looked at the design on it and it was clear that they spent a lot of time on it leave that one alone like even when you're being a dickhead, you still should have a little bit of a moral code. So I can I, I can see where this would uh, ruffle a few feathers. Well, yeah, and this is probably a bit more expensive than like the dollar store decorations that people would be putting up for Halloween. You looking to fight? <laughs> uh, anytime. All right. Just um. Well, shit, that's gonna be expensive. Um, <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> let's move on. Okay, so address the point that you were talking about yes people are invested in keeping this goat unburned uh police volunteers uh security cameras basically anything that they try to inst institute people are one step ahead the arsonists are one step ahead in particular this is funny uh the fire station of yevle I, I don't want to say it's right across the street, but it's effectively like one or two minutes away. Mm -hmm. So when this goat catches on fire, the firemen ha are s not scrambling a large distance to go and put the goat out. So sometimes yeah. they are victorious, and sometimes they've saved the goat. <laughs> basically is what I can put it. But he here's the problem, though. It's a straw goat. It's basically a giant pile of tinder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now... Some, now, all of, all of these arsons have been perpetrated by many different people. Some of them might have been done by the same people in different years. Uh, they've only caught the people who have done the arson maybe about five different times in total. So there's not a good track record. So if you think like 13 times the goat has survived out of 52 years, they don't have a good track record of catching the people who either are going to start the fire or have started the fire. That's unbelievable to me that they would do so poorly at it, but um, I'm not surprised that it's a lot of different people that are trying to do it. In my head, I like to think it's this one guy that's like 75 years old that's like, I've been burning that fucker for 40 years. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's just kind of a... I don't want to say trendy, but kind of a thing to do if you're a little shit-stirrer. Mm. Well, back in the beginning, the goat was originally put up by the southern merchants of Yevle, uh, which I think is kind of like a chamber of commerce. I'm not really sure what their organization is. Uh, and after a few years of the goat burning down, they actually stopped building the goat because they were tired of it being burned, 
essentially. Mm -hmm. And then it was taken over by the Natural Science Club from some school in Yevle, and they took it over for a while. (laughs) They took it over for a while. And uh, then later on, the uh, southern merchants eventually started building a goat again. So now Yevle effectively has two goats for people to burn. Oh, so we got like dueling goats now. Dueling goats. But here's the thing. Crips and Bloods? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they, they do kind of have a rivalry between them. Usually one of the goats is a little bit smaller. And as from what I've read, uh, it looks like the Natural Science uh, Club, their goat is a little bit smaller, and people don't often set that one on fire as much as they try to throw it in the river. <laughs> it, it seems to be a recurring theme. That, that that one gets thrown in the river while the other one gets set on fire, if I'm reading all this data correctly, because it's, it's, it's all scattered. Like, no one, no one has kept, like, a super accurate tally of what has happened to these goats. And, and if there is one, I'm sure it's only in Swedish, which I wouldn't be able to read. The logic behind that is just escaping me. Like, no, stupid, that one's not big enough to set on fire. You throw it in a river, see? <laughs> With the I, Swedish chef flailing his arms around, of course. I I would love to know how they uh, how they concluded that that one should be thrown in the river. I don't know. Maybe being much smaller, it just seemed like the obvious choice because the large one is very large. So if you set it on fire, it's quite the show. I would think the other one you you're still burning up large object, but I'm I'm not going to question these fine people. I don't want to lose our listener. Okay, some of the interesting incidents are, are like this. Let me list off a few. So, some years it's been smashed into pieces. One year, a man dressed as Santa Claus and another man dressed as a gingerbread man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's more, there's more. Hold on, hold off your laughter. Uh, they set it on fire with a fire arrow. That's very dramatic. That is very dramatic. Well, that's the thing, because it got burned so often people would volunteer to like patrol and guard the goat. So they had to look for more and more creative ways of actually setting the goat on fire. And so they like do like an Olympic torch lane ceremony and shoot an arrow at it? Pretty much, yeah. I, I, I mean, no disrespect to the people that built this thing, but I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> you can see it on YouTube because sometimes there are cameras running as it burns, and when it goes up, like, I encourage everyone to search for the Yevla goat on YouTube. It, it is quite amazing seeing how quickly it just it bursts into flame. So people are filming this. I mean, they using, like, please don't arrest me 69 as their username? Or? No, 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 no. Like, uh, there's, like, um, closed-circuit cameras that are trained on the goat. Oh, okay. I got you. Uh, Partly for security, and that's another thing, too, because they've got these cameras trained on the goat for security, and one year, some hackers launched an attack on the cameras, took them down, and then the goat caught on fire. (laughs) This is, like, so many creative resources being put towards something so profoundly useless. Yes! (laughs) Both people trying to protect it and people trying to burn it. Yeah, on on both ends, like, you clearly got a couple of bright people in that bunch there, and it's all to destroy a hay goat. Yeah. Sometimes it takes them a while. Sometimes they get to the very end of the Christmas season 
before they finally set it on fire. Sometimes they set it on fire within hours of it being erected. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yes. Uh, I'm looking at the dates here. 1999, within hours of building the goat, it was set on fire. You gotta think like you're just dusting your hands off and you turn around it's on fire. You're like, God damn it! <laughs> okay. And one year, it was burned before it was even assembled. Wind that one back for me. Okay, so the goat is built, it's, it's a wooden frame, and they sort of right. put like these hay bales and drape them over the frame. And if the goat survives, they just take all that stuff down, and they put it into storage. So I guess, now I don't have as many details about it, but they managed to figure out where it was stored, and then burned it, or burned the hay or whatever before they were even able to take it to the town square and put it up. Okay, because I was picturing, like, a bunch of people on the ground, like, tying stuff together, and some guy just walks in with a flamethrower and says, <laughs> Fuck you! But I, I, I guess the storage makes a little more sense. I like mine better, though. You know what? <laughs> I don't want to give people ideas about how to commit arson, but... Uh, I no, no. They should do it. I said if they did, it would be funny. But funny in a tragic way. We don't encourage arson in the town of Yevle. Yeah, God, Sweden's going to be fucking mad. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We'll move to Norway. Well, we don't need to move anywhere. We don't live in Sweden. Right. And I mean, what the it's Sweden. We're fine. It's Sweden. We're fine. Yeah, they, 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 they probably have a good sense of humor about it. Okay. Now, here's the thing, too. Like I mentioned, so I told you about this, it was burned before they even put it up, or burned within hours of putting it up. What they do is that if it burns down before the Feast of St. Lucia, they uh, rebuild it. So St. Lucia is the 13th of December, and if it burns before <laughs> that, they rebuild it. If it burns after that, they just say to hell with it. I love that it gets burned so much that they have, like, contingency plans for if it burns by this date. Yes. <laughs> but but think about this, though, because that means that the goat can burn down multiple times in a year. Right. And they've just kind of accepted that at this point. Yes, they have. <laughs> I mean, we put a camera on it. The fuck you want us to do? <laughs> Uh, once it was actually burned down by an American tourist. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> actually, this story, I think, is by far one of the funniest, because he was visiting Yevle, and um, the, the the goat caught on fire, and of course, like, the police and everyone run to, you know, try and catch whoever did it, and he was just standing there holding the lighter, like, watching the goat burn. <laughs> Uh, and they arrested him, and apparently what happened was that he was there meeting Swedish friends, and his Swedish friends convinced him that it was a tradition to set the goat on fire and that he should do it. <laughs> so he was a patsy. Yes, pretty much. Like, his friends basically goaded him into it, thinking, like, this is a Swedish tradition. You can be the guy who sets the goat on fire. And he was like, oh, this okay. This is going to get you laid, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and of Gotta course, go. yeah, they just arrested him. Uh, you have to, you have to think though. Like th that's his own stupidity. I, I mean, if it was such a prestigious thing to do, I would probably be like, "Well, 
why are you letting me do it? Then? Yeah, exactly. But, I was like, well, if it's a tradition, burn the goat. Here's my lighter. You can burn it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to step on your toes here, but I mean, they they probably prepped him for it in a couple of bars, I would assume. Yes. The funny part about that is is that he was arrested. Uh, he spent about 18 days in jail. And Holy the, shit. Yeah, they're serious about this goat, man. Uh, he spent 18 days in jail, and the judge confiscated his lighter. <laughs> yeah, they said, you, you clearly shouldn't have this. We're confiscating it from you. And you will never be able to get another one. <laughs> Oddly enough, they fined him as well as giving him jail time, but he skipped out of Sweden without paying his fine. I probably would have for that point, too. I'd be kind of pissed. You put me in jail for two and a half weeks for lighting a fake goat on fire. Well, it is vandalism. I mean... It, it is, but I don't know what kind of uh, extradition rules America and Sweden have together, so maybe there aren't any. He's just like, fuck you, come get me. Yeah, well, he did spend 18 days in jail either way. He mm-hmm. was fined 100,000 Swedish crowns, which uh, I translated into uh, money other people understand. Uh, that's about yeah. 10,000 American dollars or just under 10,000 uh, euros. So it's not huge, but significant. It is significant. That's actually the current cost to put this goat up. It's usually about 100,000 Swedish crowns to build this goat now. So they didn't really want to punish him. They just wanted to build another one. Maybe they wanted to build another one or just, you know, recoup the funds to the people who build it every year. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. One thing I thought was particularly funny is that one year, probably being unable to set it on fire, someone rammed it with a Volvo Amazon. That's the typical weapon of choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, what other what other car ramming weapon are they going to have in Sweden other than a Volvo, of course? Anyway, Volvo. Anyway, Volvo, Volvo Amazon rammed it. It's it's been burned multiple times. What else can I say about this goat? People are very determined. Usually, they're very drunk when they're doing this. Uh, sometimes, guys have been caught uh, covered in in petrol and gasoline, running away from the goat, uh, totally drunk. Uh, <laughs> no, they're supposed to run towards it and then take the lighter out. <laughs> well, this is after they've set it on fire. Wow. Okay. Proceed. Okay. <laughs> okay, a little bit of a brain fart. All right. So, it's good that we're mentioning this because the Yevla Goat is going up this Sunday. I encourage all Big Bad Nonsense listeners to follow along, see what happens, see if the goat gets uh, caught on fire. Last year it survived. Uh, There were no attempts on it last year. I want you guys, if there's a live stream of that um, camera feed on it, to watch that this year, because I am taking that motherfucker out. (laughs) That's a bit of a pricey trip just to, like, risk potential prison time. Okay, Uh, the goat does have a Twitter. Of of course it does. The the uh, Twitter is at Yevleblocken, which I'm not going to spell. I'll put it in the description for the podcast, so anyone can just go and click. The, the people who run this Twitter, who tweet as the goat, which I think is a little bit strange, but whatever, they do seem to have a good sense of humor about it, uh, posting pictures of the 
Christmas markets and things, all the celebrations that are going on. And then when it burns down, they're kind of like, oh, sorry, I couldn't stay any longer this year, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to send them some messages and see where their pain point is. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't harass the people from the Yevil block, please. I'm coming for you, you fucker. Tweet. <laughs> Uh, is it a picture of you holding a lighter? Yeah, so I'm tweeting them stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to tweet uh, Yevelblocken, the uh, Yevelgoat, on Twitter, please be respectful. Follow along. On our next podcast, which hopefully will come before Christmas, we will update you on whether or not the Yevelgoat has survived. But if you're following along, you should know right away and I do encourage you to follow along you can actually bet on it did you, that, that's that's a great fact you can bet on whether or not the goat will survive that's amazing because you could directly influence it if you're that time of mindset like you could profit off it yeah you could I, uh, yeah actually I'm, that seems like a bad thing to bet on because like public influence is at play here it seems like I've been throwing a lot of really bad ideas out there today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please don't light Sweden on fire, people. <laughs> from the comfort of your home, from the comfort of the internet, find a bookmaker online. Most of them are British. Uh, you can place a bet about whether or not the Yevla goat has sur- will survive this year. Do be careful. The goat burns down more often than it survives. So... I think the odds are on that one. Well, maybe it's due. Mm-hmm. What have we learned from this? Uh, I shouldn't have a microphone. <laughs> okay, then. Hello, pod people, and pardon the intrusion. This is just a brief reminder that you can listen to Big Bad Nonsense wherever fine podcasts can be listened to. Currently available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and via our YouTube channel. Please do subscribe and rate us and tell a friend. So, Biscuit, that brings us to armed robbery now. Let me start with this. Uh, I know you're a fan of American football. You're also a fan of hockey, too. That's correct. Okay. Do you know much about European professional hockey? I know those cowardly Swedes and the uh, extended ice time. and uh, I mean, I watched the Olympics. Actually, I should have mentioned that before. The Jevle Goat was actually brought with the Swedish hockey team one year to the uh, International Hockey Championships. Did it catch on fire? No. That year it actually survived. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great, though, if they brought it with them to the event and then someone set it on fire there. (laughs) Some jackass just comes rushing down. That that would be dedication. That would be dedication. But no, we're not talking about Sweden now. Now we're talking about uh, a professional hockey team in Budapest. And uh, the hockey player in particular... His name is Attila Ambrush, notable for such things as uh, giving up 23 goals in one game or 88 goals over a five-game stretch. was probably one of his worst stretches. For those in the audience that aren't hockey fans, that's not very good. No. Giving up 
23 goals in a game is not good. No, I and giving up like four, you had a pretty rough night. Well, really, giving up goals in any sport is bad. Yeah. And higher is always worse. Yeah, that, that that's a good rule of thumb. Okay. So you might be wondering, how did this guy get to become a professional hockey player? I'm thinking professionals in quotations. <laughs> that is pretty much what it boils down to. Let me tell you a little bit about Attila Ambrus. He uh, escaped from Romania during the regime of Ceausescu. Uh, clinging to the bottom of a train. And uh, he went to Hungary. So he was a, a Hungarian living in Romania, and uh, he sort of escaped Romania and uh, went to Hungary and claimed uh, political asylum. And uh, he started making his living uh, working odd jobs. And one of the things he did in particular was smuggling pelts uh, as a way of making money. I'm guessing like furs and things like that, of animal furs or animal skins or whatever. And he really, really wanted to be a professional hockey player. I mean, who doesn't? I've thought about it, but then you put me on skates and I say, all right, so what else we got? Well, here's the thing. You probably could have been a better goalie than Ambrush was. I think a lot of people could. I mean, that that's a lot to go in a net. You just got to be in the way of it. You're, you're stopping at a handful of them just by existing. Well, I I wish I had been around at that time because if they were giving away professional hockey tenures that easily, I could have been a much better choice for their team than Ambrush was. Oh, but, absolutely. I'd just get fat as shit and be like, put it past me. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He really wanted to be a professional hockey player, so he went and tried out for UTE Budapest. They like He was terrible, of course. I mean, it's it's not like he just had one bad day and he let in 23 goals. Like, they knew right away he was terrible. But they were so impressed uh, with his dedication and his determination to be on the team that they said, to hell with it, you're on the team. <laughs> so he's like a make-a-wish kid? Yeah, pretty much in a way. He, I guess they were just impressed, and it's not like the team had a lot of money, so they couldn't really get anyone better. So they said, to hell with it, you're the second string goalie for the team. You're on the team. He wasn't paid much money for it either. Like, I'm saying professional hockey, but we're not talking about NHL salaries here. No, there's a lot of tiers of what constitutes professional hockey. Um, We have a development league here, the uh, South Carolina Stingrays, that they're professional hockey players, but when the season's over, they have another job. Yeah, pretty much, and so did Ambrush. In addition to being the goalie on this team, uh, he also served as the team's janitor because they couldn't pay him <laughs> just to be a goalie. <laughs> Cleaning up his own shit. He <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Go get those 22 pucks! <laughs> well, actually, he probably wouldn't have to go very far to get them. They were probably all in the goal behind him. Yeah, he could barely fit in the crease with that many. <laughs> um, so I think that's kind of funny in a way. It's, I, I thought it, it would have been funnier if he was like the Zamboni driver, but but he was also the team's janitor. Zamboni driver is... Uh, I had uh, Zamboni driver talk shit at me once, so I mean, they're, they're interesting people. W- what did you do to have a Zamboni driver... I- I, I didn't do anything. I was at um, a Carolina Hurricanes game um, 
up in North Carolina, I was wearing a Bruins jersey, and they had just been the Stanley Cup against the Blackhawks, and I guess the guy was a Blackhawks fan, he was wearing a jersey, and he's driving by, and he just locked eyes on me and flipped me off while he was riding the Zamboni, and this dude was like, <laughs> I mean, he's easily 60, and, like, I wasn't even mad. I was like, you know what? I respect you. <laughs> wait, wait. So the Zamboni driver at a North Carolina Hurricanes game was wearing a Blackhawks jersey. And he flipped me off. And yes. he flipped you off for wearing a Bruins jersey. Yeah, he he was not having it. Cause this is such a complicated story already. This is more interesting than what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> There was a lot of animosity in that series. And I, I was looking, I was like, dude, you won. Like, what are you mad at me for? <laughs> oh, okay, back on topic. All right. He wasn't the Zamboni driver. He was the team's janitor. All right. So this is how he's making ends meet. And he's still smuggling furs or whatever he's doing. <laughs> that story is all stuck in my head now. Okay. Yeah. Focus, focus, focus. Okay. So, we have a horrible goalie, team janitor, barely making a living smuggling. Now, you have to keep in mind about the time, uh, the era that this happens in. So, he escaped Romania under Ceausescu. uh, So, it was under the communist regime there at the time. Uh, He's coming into Hungary and uh, early 90s, uh, late 80s. This is when uh, the Iron Curtain is falling basically, on all these uh, Eastern European countries. This was a tough time for Hungary. Hungary's had a lot of tough times, but this was a particularly tough time for Hungary. I was going to say, could you point to their good time? (laughs) (laughs) The transition to capitalism was not going well for Hungary. There was a lot of people who were very poor. There was a lot of people who were taking advantage of the situation, getting very rich, and corruption was everywhere. Yep, that's capitalism. Uh, yes, yes, especially at that time, like graft and corruption were incredibly high, and capitalism can be pretty rough at the best of times, and uh, when you're new to it, awful some things could be, and it was. Uh, yeah, like when you just hear of it conceptually and you haven't seen it in practice yet, and you're like, I can be anything I want to be if I try hard enough? That sounds great. And then, you know, a couple of assholes are oppressing all of you, and you're like, fuck! Mm -hmm. Well, that's basically the environment this is in. And that's important because of what Attila Ambrush becomes later. So he's still doing his whole smuggling business, and it's not going well for him because, of course, he's dealing with bribes and things like that crossing the border. And eventually he gets fed up with it. I guess uh, he was trying to get Hungarian citizenship, and the bribes that he had to pay to get the paperwork processed were just astronomical. I would imagine so. I mean, they got all the cards in that situation. You can't, like, negotiate. No, pretty much. So, basically, he decides, okay, to hell with it, and he turns to a life of crime. And this is where Attila Ambrush becomes the figure known... (laughs) (laughs) He... He turns away from the noble trade of smuggling <laughs> to go towards crime. Actually, okay, that was poorly phrased. Okay, so <laughs> he turns to a crimer life. More crime. <laughs> More crime. Crime too. Get crimier. <laughs> get crimier. Okay, 
uh, in addition to being poor at history and biology and other things as evidence from the last episode, we are also clearly very poor at the English language. Uh, <laughs> crimier. <laughs> Put it in the dictionary. Crime, crimier, the crimiest. Okay. Anyway, so he, this, well, this is where he goes from being like a smuggler, which is generally not a violent crime, to becoming an armed robber. And uh, he starts robbing banks. That historically has gone very well for most. Well, in particular, it went quite well for him. He uh, Now, he's known as the Whiskey Robber, which I think is a great title, uh, because he was frequently spotted in his disguises uh, drinking whiskey at pubs nearby the places he would rob prior to the robberies. Yeah, that that's a good strategy. When you're robbing a bank, um, you want to settle those nerves and get shit hammered before you... Uh... Yeah, in a way. Liquid courage, I yeah. guess. Yeah, you go and... Uh, this is uh, how free lollipops. <laughs> it didn't hamper his ability to rob places, though, because he robbed several of them. It took many, many years before he was caught. Uh, he robbed 27 places in total, so banks, post offices, travel agencies were his frequent targets. And just... Uh clarify we're not too far in the past right we're a couple decades back this is in the 90s this is in the 90s yeah. he started in 1993 and he wasn't caught until uh 1999 i mean i don't know if they just had inferior security there or what i'm telling you if i go rob a bank right now i'm gonna be fucked in like two hours Okay, well, it's good that you asked that question because that goes back to the environment I was talking about. So, uh, this is a time where Hungary is in a little bit of chaos. So, right. the authorities don't really have their act fully together. Now, in addition to this, because they're so new to capitalism and everyone's getting like ripped off by these banks, like people are investing money and then losing it overnight, there's a great deal of dissatisfaction with these institutions. And mm -hmm. nobody wants to see him caught. So everyone's sort of cheering him on as he's doing this. Oh, so he's like pseudo-Robin Hood. Pseudo-Robin Hood. Actually, several papers uh, published the theory that he was a Robin Hood and he was probably sharing this money with poor people. This wasn't true, of course. He was actually sort <laughs> of keeping it for himself. He's giving it away to the poor, maybe. Yeah, maybe, right? They, they were just speculating, of course. In reality, he was spending it all on wine, women, and song is basically where this money went. Well, I mean, everybody likes a hero. <laughs> I th People were just dissatisfied enough that they were willing to cheer this guy on. It's like, you go, you punch these buggers in the face. Enough of this. Yeah, we're, we're tired of this move to capitalism. These people are as corrupt as anybody else. So they were really happy to cheer him on. No, it, it makes sense. I mean, you get a lot of that going on in the United States right now where we're cheering on people we think are douchebags because we're looking at, you know, our president. He's a incompetent, dumb fuck. And so you look at option B and he's an asshole too, but he's at least an asshole that's, telling the people above him this isn't good enough so you look the other way and i 
I guess that's what was carrying this guy back during that time. Mm. To comment on that thoughtful political analysis, people, you can email us bigbadnonsense at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, anything, oh, anything that comes in arguing about politics, I'm just going to delete. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah I, I, I probably would. You're going to get like NRA mom of 4, 420 that's going to be threatening to kill me. I, actually, if if that happens, I will read it in the next podcast for sure. <laughs> oh, I, I, I want you to. I want to do a dramatic read. <laughs> Sir, how dare you? <laughs> okay, anyway, back to Attila Ambrush. So, <clears throat> <laughs> people... Wait, I fucking get us off track. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, he... It's not like all the money only went to him, though. He did make a few generous gestures with it. He completely renovated the uh, locker room for his hockey team and upgraded a few things uh, at their stadium. So He, he made did... the goal behind him smaller. <laughs> um, so people were a little bit suspicious. It's like, you know, how did this janitor and terrible goalie come into money? But he sort of explained it away that, you know, my smuggling business has really taken off. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry for asking. <laughs> well, the, the excuse worked. They accepted it. So, you know, if it works, why not? Just can't, I'm just trying to envision that conversation. It's like, where do you get the money? Well, I'm smuggling all sorts of shit. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Well, Hi. here, let, let me put this, let me put this in, full picture here okay so we have a terrible goalie working as a janitor to make ends meet he starts robbing banks wearing cheap disguises that he bought from flea markets after loading up on whiskey at nearby pubs and then he spends the money on expensive holidays and women and renovates the hockey uh locker room and explains it all away as being a really good smuggler. I mean, he's like a Grand Theft Auto game with feet. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is a pretty accurate description. Here's the thing, and this made me think a little bit. Do you ever watch like crime series on television? Not as much as I do podcasts. I do sometimes, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, like first forty-eight stuff like that. Oh, I was thinking more like uh, fictional ones, like Law and Order, that L- sort stuff of thing. like that, like Law and Order, yeah. or yes, you know what have you. The thing that always gets me when I watch these crime series, these fiction crime series, is that you watch it and you always think about that the police are a little bit dumb, and there's a reason for that is because you can't writers can't write a criminal genius, so you kind of have to dumb down the police a little bit to keep the story going, to keep the drama happening. And you you watch this and you kind of think, okay, the police probably should have done this, and they're a little bit stupid for not, but you just kind of go with it because it's still a good story, right? Plus one of the cops is iced tea, which that's going to hold you back a little bit. Oh, okay, yeah, if you're watching Law & Order SVU, then yeah, you've got iced tea, which is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> he's been a cop for like 15 years on that show or something and yet on twitter he says he's never had a bagel i'm calling bullshit 
<laughs> what? How could he have never had a bagel? On Twitter, he says he has never had a bagel in his life. All right. We're not going to question he's a cop. Like, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it again. Go ahead. All right, all right, all right, all right. Anyway, when I read the story of Attila Ambrush, I kind of had to think back to these crime series and say, hey, they're not actually so far-fetched. Because in trying to catch him, the police were a little bit incompetent. That sounds fair to say from what you've given us so far. Well, it gets, it gets funnier. Uh, I was reading some information about the police officer that they put in charge of trying to catch the whiskey robber, and uh, he basically admitted, he said, look, I had no detective experience, nothing in our office worked, the forensics uh, scientist that we had assigned to our staff, uh, he didn't make enough money, so he was teaching, like, dancing lessons on the side. Um <laughs> He even admits this, and it, it, it must take a lot of strength of character to admit this. So I have he to. Was, he was teaching him the five knuckle shuffle. <laughs> and the detective in charge of the investigation takes a lot of courage to admit this. But he had so little detective experience that he resorted to watching Columbo to try and get ideas about how to investigate. <laughs> As one would. <laughs> Uh, like I've seen a lot of episodes of Columbo, and I've never thought of him as being a good teacher about how to investigate things. Uh, I mean, throw a little MacGyver in there, you know, you arrest some guy with a paperclip or whatever, and I mean, you, you got this guy. Yeah, pretty much. But that's the the side he was coming from. Like the police should not just couldn't catch him. In one instance, Attila Ambrush was coming out of the building he had just robbed. And the police ran past him to the wrong building. So he is a Grand Theft Auto game. Essentially. Yes. I'm just going to hide until the stars go away. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They ran past. They didn't know. They mistook the wrong building for the bank or whatever he was robbing. And they ran past him as he was leaving the place he had just robbed. I mean, they were close. But they, yeah, this close, this close. It, in some cases, they had to hitch rides with journalists going to cover the uh, the scene of the crime. Yeah, uh, it just... <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched the cartoon here. Um, it was on Adult Swim, uh, Metalocalypse. There is an episode that somebody inside the company's embezzling and the leader of the band, he's just like has a meeting with them. He's like, "Are you the guy that's embezzling from us?" And the guy's like, "No." And he's like, "Okay, I believe you." And he lets him go. And that 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 kind of that's kind of syncing up with this right now. Well, in a way, yeah, it might be. I am <laughs> like, "Hey, do you just rob that bank?" Nope. Okay, bye. <laughs> He, <laughs> well, that's the thing. They didn't even know they were that he was coming out of a bank, right? They thought the bank was another building, so they, you know, he could have just been some guy for all they knew. Uh, they're not impressing me so far, but um, maybe there's some saving grace you have for me. Well, they, 
for six years, uh, he robbed <laughs> banks. <laughs> what? <laughs> Get, ignore me. It's okay, easier. all right. So for six years, he robbed banks. Uh, he got away with about uh, 100 million forint. In real money, that's about half a million U.S. dollars at the time. 100 million forints would be worth a lot less now, but at the time, it was about half a million U.S. dollars. Okay. So that's, that's a lot of money, especially somewhere it, like... It, sorry? Yeah, it, it's a lot for the amount of effort he's putting in. Well, keep in mind, too, that, I mean, even now, half a million dollars in Hungary is going to take you very far. Yeah, that's a foul point. Yeah. And back then, when Hungary was in the condition that it was, that would be... You, you could know, buy Hungary. Almost, in a way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they did eventually catch him, not because the police upped their game in any way, but because uh, he started to take too many risks. He did have some accomplices for some of his robberies, and for his last robbery before he was caught, he had an accomplice, and his accomplice was caught, of course. And he got away from the robbery, but he he knew that his accomplice was caught, and he's like, okay, they're going to come and find me, and he didn't want to leave without his dog. He, he went back to his apartment to get his dog, essentially, and tried to get on a train to Romania, and because of the delay in going back to get his dog, they were able to alert the authorities, and they caught him as he was on the train. As we've learned here, never have pets. They will fuck you every time. <laughs> Guy loved his dog, man. Yeah, I mean, most people that have him do. But mm -hmm. you gotta kind of look at the risk-reward at some point, you would think. Yeah, I suppose. Then again, he's robbing banks with cops around him, like, waving to them as he walks out. Nothing's happening, so probably got a little bit cocky. Mm. Apparently, he did send them some wine at some point. <laughs> what? Like the the whiskey robber, he sent wine to the police, kind of as like sort of a ha ha sort of thing. So, like a bottle of fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I guess when he had that chain that he had going, he had a pretty good run. I well, I suppose I can see doing that. He, here's a, here's another thing too. In addition to sending wine to uh, the police. Uh, he also often gave flowers to the women he was robbing, like the tellers at the banks and stuff like that. I know you're a little upset right now, and I'm sorry about this gun in your forehead, but here's one of those roses in the crack pipe that you can get at a gas station for you. Yes. <laughs> he, he mostly did it to like I guess he was hiding his gun in the flowers and that was why he took them into the bank but then he would you know he he apparently he was always very <laughs> that'd be better if he had one of those gag guns that you know like pull the trigger and a flower comes out or like a flag that says bang <laughs> it, that would be an interesting twist yeah it was vision doing it well here's the thing though he was quite handsome and very charming and all the people, all the women who were the focus of his robberies, like the tellers and things like that, they said that, you know, he was very handsome and charming and he was always polite. So I guess he kind of, you know, put the schmooze on in a way and, you know, gave them flowers as well, saying, hey, sorry to rob you. Here's some flowers. You're a nice lady. To what end? I mean, like, 
oh, here he comes. I hope he doesn't rob me. Or like, <laughs> Well, I mean, he doesn't need the flowers anymore. He's already smuggled his gun to the bank. Mm. Apparently, some people found it flattering. Uh, one of, uh, and here's a quote that's really great. One of the women who was uh, present for his robberies said, it's a pity that we were at the beginning of his career because unlike the women later on, we didn't get any flowers. Oh, so so they were digging this dude. Like, yeah, he, he is a handsome guy. He wasn't guy. handsome. He was like a sex bomb. Well, even now, he's like 51 years old now. Even now, he's still a handsome guy. He was a handsome guy. And uh, that was really... Only the define the only defining feature that any of the banks or police could go on. They knew he was an athlete because he would jump into the bank, and it was clear he was very athletic. Like jump on the counter. <laughs> he, would, uh, he would jump into the bank. <laughs> Not jump into the bank, but like jump on the counter to take the money and stuff like that. So like from okay. watching footage. <laughs> That would be funny See, if you like, just jumped like, into the bank. I like, got hey. my Grand Theft Auto with feet thing again, where, you know, like, the door's right there, but he just jumps through and smashes through the window next to it anyway. <laughs> Let me dream. Maybe they should release a Grand Theft Auto Budapest. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. And the main character could be Attila Ambrush. Anyway, okay. Let's <laughs> focus towards the end here. So he was caught because he was going back for his dog. That's not the end of his story, because the police and the authorities declared their intention to charge him with attempted murder, because he, I guess, at one of his robberies, he fired over the heads of people who were chasing him uh, to sort of say, hey, don't chase me. And so he shot a gun over their heads uh, to scare them off. And so they said, we're going to charge you with attempted murder because of this. And uh, he thought this was crazy, like, he was fully admitting, like, yeah, I'm the whiskey robber. But he thought it was crazy that they were going to charge him with attempted murder instead of just bank robbery. And he was like, oh, I'm being railroaded. So he escapes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and what is something almost directly out of Hollywood, he escaped with a rope made of shredded sheets, wires, and shoelaces. As one would. Yeah. So, like, I, I've never heard of that actually happening before. Like, someone making a... A rope out of bed sheets, but that's what he did. He used like bed sheets and he improvised a rope and escaped the prison. I mean, at a certain point, you gotta look at him escaping, being like, "That's dedication. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let this guy go," <laughs> or, or at least like, "I'm gonna give him a ten minute head start." Uh, apparently, he was the only person to ever escape from that prison. I mean, dude, seem outside of stopping hockey pucks, he seems like a pretty resourceful guy. Hmm. In a way, yeah. They did recatch him again as he was robbing another place. Uh, or, no, it, no, not as he was robbing it. <laughs> not as he was robbing it, but um, he robbed somewhere else and he, he left something behind at the crime scene. I don't know what, I don't have that information, but he left something behind uh, that led to them finding out where he was staying. So they rearrested him. It was his gun with the bang flag. <laughs> He was rearrested, sentenced to 17 years in prison, of which he only served 12 because he got out early for good behavior. Just charming them, I guess? Mm, just charming them. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess he can behave when he wants to. He, he seems like he's got that flowery tongue for wherever he's going. Mm. Here's the thing, and I thought this was particularly funny. He's out of prison now. 
and he's living on the straight and narrow. He has a career as a pottery artist uh, making ceramics. Well, I mean, that's the obvious next step. Uh, well, apparently he learned it when he was in prison. Like, I guess prison education or whatever, he learned how to make pottery. And now, like, you can actually go to his website now. It's all in Hungarian, but I had a look at it. And you can order pottery from Attila Ambrus, the whiskey robber. He should have made pottery when he was trying to be a goalie, because maybe then he'd, like, get in front of it, you know? <laughs> no! <laughs> That was lame. Yeah, sure as shit was. Yeah. Uh, his ceramics, though, are very nice. Like, they are very good-looking. Like, I'm not some expert judge of ceramics, but, like, they, they look like something I wouldn't mind having in my home. And what I was thinking of ordering an item from his shop, uh, if I can figure out enough of the Hungarian. It's not one of the languages I know much about. But uh, one of the items in his shop is these little uh, clay... Uh, flasks, which I think is hilarious because he's the whiskey robber. I mean, he's he's clearly got a marketing mind in there. He does, although he does renounce his criminal past. He says, he tells people, don't look up to me, what I did was wrong, so he has completely renounced it in a way. There's uh, one, one part I did a little looking on the side while you were talking to me, and you said he was from Romania, but you didn't mention the part he was from. Transylvania! <laughs> is that necessary, though? <laughs> For Americans, yes, it is. Okay, so he's from Transylvania. <laughs> it's me, the Whiskey Vampire! <laughs> I've done this two episodes in a row. Oh, God, the bloodletting. No, let's not yeah. think back to the previous episode. Yeah, no. No. There is no previous episode. Never mention episode four again. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Okay. Um, yes, he's from he is from Chik, uh, he's from uh, Chiksereda in uh, Transylvania, Romania. I think quite a bit of Transylvania is Hungarian. Uh, so I, I'm not an expert on that, but you know he's a Hungarian from that part of Romania. This yes. part is Romania. Apparently, I just threw it out there because I think Americans don't realize that Transylvania is an actual thing. Really? <laughs> I think they just think like, oh, Dracula. They think it's like they think it's fictional. I, I, I that's my hunch. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is a real place. It is in Romania. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know it was until like. Maybe a decade ago when I started talking to somebody there, I was like, oh, shit, you're real? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so what have we learned from this? This guy is impossible to replicate. I don't even know where to start here. Um, to have a career that you're an absolute abject failure at and they still want you mm -hmm. as a starting point is pretty impressive and then he's committing crimes on women and they're like oh i'm sad he left like <laughs> he, if you had to put it in one thought don't try to be this guy because you're not going to be able to pull it off it certainly seems like he's got a golden brick up his ass yeah like he, he's He's this combination of things that no matter who you are, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So stop. Yes, like it certainly seems like he had an extraordinarily run, a extraordinary run of luck. 
I mean, yeah. between the smuggling and becoming a professional hockey player and uh, going for so long, uh, living the high life on stolen money, and even now where he's still ended up like kind of on top where he's got his successful ceramics business. I mean, the guys had extraordinary luck. I mean, he did serve time in prison, but... He did, but he had a great run up until that, and usually once you get to that point, even if you get out, you're pretty much sunk at that point. A lot of people don't go on to be successful at that point. So Mm -hmm. uh, just an extraordinary human being that I think I'm probably going to be looking into a little bit more after this. Mm, Definitely. I don't know if he has a Twitter or anything, but you can definitely check out his, uh, his ceramics. You can find him on Facebook and he's also got his own website. Uh, That's all in Hungarian, but you know, I suppose if you plug it into Google translate, or have Google translate the web page, you can see what he has to offer. It seems he delivers internationally. I mean, he's not far away from me. I'm over here in Slovakia. Like, uh, we're effectively neighbors, so I could probably... Uh, I, I really hoped that he spoke English. I tried sending emails to like people who knew him. I didn't get any answers. It, it seems that he doesn't speak English anyway, because it would be amazing if at one point we could actually get him on the podcast. But... I don't speak Hungarian, so... And you will be shocked to know that I do not either. <laughs> really? I was hoping. I was holding Yeah, hope. I mean, not today, anyway. Uh, not today. Okay. All right, well, I think that about wraps it up. What do you think, Biscuit? I think that'll probably do it for us today. Um, Anything you'd like to plug, Biscuit? No, I think we're good for right now, and hopefully we can get back to you again. Uh... At least one more time before the year ends. Yeah, we'll definitely have a look. Certainly, please find us. Our podcast is available on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. You can send us an email, bigbadnonsense at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at bigbadnonsense. Biscuit's usually the one who answers any messages tweeted there. It's been great to know that you're listening. Please... Share us with friends. Get the word out. We'd like people to know. We're always happy to have more followers. And it's been great having you all joining us for this podcast. Do check out the Yevla block in Twitter, the Yevla goat, to see what his status is. Hopefully we can update you before the holidays. And Merry Christmas. Hide your puppies and kittens. <laughs>